Hello everybody, welcome to the crossover episode number five, I am Dan Clark. And I am Sean Keating. Uh, coming to you from the uh, corner of a high school in the middle of this uh, COVID-19 crisis. Um, people are in the middle of trying to transform their life into a, a virtual version currently. Um, I know I've talked to a lot of teachers and their description of this time period was that they feel at the same time both overwhelmed and extremely bored. Can you relate? Yeah, I think uh, there's definitely, I think when this first started, um, it was really easy to just shut everything off and just basically view the all the news cycles. And I, I don't know if I ever got bored. I think I got um, maybe just trying to wrap my mind around what's going on and trying to figure out where this is going. And I think just the fear of the unknown, like we talked about a little bit uh, a couple episodes ago, and the unpredictability um, definitely caused some anxiety. I, I definitely think I felt probably a little depression, um, being away from that social interaction, um, and just, you know, the fear you kind of have for your kids and some of the things that can go into all of this when a pandemic, uh, comes about. But, um, yeah, I think I've talked to a bunch of my students or players, you know, and the one thing that comes up is, I'm bored is, is a pretty common theme for all of them. I know at the beginning of this, since we've started doing distance learning, these initial, uh, what posts, I guess that you send out for asking for feedback. It's <laughs> kids are chomping at the bit, you know, humans are social animals, uh, by nature. And I think that's what we're seeing is that, um, you know, taking away that, social time or, you know, face-to-face -face time with other people, uh, you know, makes them really cling to it when it all of a sudden pops up like, Ooh, my teacher sent me a message with an assignment. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yep. Uh, which is maybe another reaction you would probably have if it was just a simple snow day assignment. Yeah. I mean, I still, I'm looking here, I've posted some just general feedback and, uh, I still only get about two thirds that reply. <laughs> so it's, it's still not perfect, but, um, the number one thing, you know, I asked, uh, just a quick poll to all my kids and I asked, let's see the following questions. How are you doing? The hardest part of your life right now is the thing about distance learning, giving you the most anxiety. And then what have you learned by going through this social distancing and, you know, boredom has really come up and then just a lot of appreciation for, the, the human connections. And a lot of people just said, you know, without that human connection, I'm just not as motivated and I'm, I'm fearful and I have some anxiety doing distance learning on my own. I'm going to struggle to motivate myself. And so I just think overall, um, kids are definitely feeling it. And I know some families, you know, everyone's different. You know, some parents are like, you can still go outside and you can do some things. And I know some homes where they're like, you're not leaving the house. Yeah. I've heard that too. And it kind of, that kind of scares me. Like, I just feel bad for those kids because I I saw them recently and they said, you know, I have to be home in 10 minutes because this is all the time they've given me to be outside of the house. Besides this, I'm going to be locked down with my entire family. And they were like, please send help. Um, so, I mean, there's probably, it's probably just a roller coaster of emotions for, and, you know, a, on a wide spectrum of students. I mean, some kids are probably extremely bored. Some are probably extremely anxious. Some are probably extremely depressed. Some are probably doing okay. It's probably this wide spectrum of feelings, and that's probably what's supposed to happen. You know, I don't expect everyone to be on the same page. Um, but today I think what we want to do is talk about, you know, maybe how to deal with some of these situations that are going to create you know, an added stressor to your life. I mean, going online with all your classes, I mean, it's a brand new experience. And of course, when you are 
having a brand new experience, you're going to be, at least before it or in the initial stages of it, you're going to be anxious. You know, just think about, I mean, every time the school year starts, you know, after taking three months off in the summer, there's like a, um, the day before all of a sudden the last, the first day of school, this wave of anxiety washes over me thinking, do I know what I'm doing still? Can I still get up and do I can do totally this? relate to that. And uh, it doesn't go away until you're actually, you get in front like, oh yeah, okay, I got this. This is, I remember what to do now. And uh, I feel like that's the situation these students are in is that it's a, it's a, a whole new world um, that yeah, they're experiencing. And, and yesterday, just the news came out, right, that we're doing, I don't know what they, it wasn't called shelter in place, but they just put more restrictive rules on here in Minnesota and, um, you know, basically not leaving your house unless it's one of those essential services. And we're going to do that for the next two weeks. And then the two weeks after that, it sounds like kind of going back to what we have been doing where the bars and restaurants are closed and schools to still closed. And, and so all of April here, we'll be doing the social distancing and, and really trying to flatten the curve and, and we can just hope that once this is kind of get through this period, then hopefully things will start to break back up and we can uh, get back to some of the quote unquote normalcy. And it's not, and, and I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, the students feeling the stress, but it's not just going to be them, you know, parents, some parents are going to be laid off during this time period, or they're being asked to, to, to cut back their hours or, you know, their hourly job that was mostly tips is not, in existence anymore. So they're going to be feeling uh, that same stress as well. It's, I mean, it's going to be a difficult time, but I think once we're on the other side of this, like most tragedies or hard times, you'll be able to, you know, hopefully see where you've become a stronger human being because, um, you know, like David Goggins says, uh, you know, suffering is the key. And <laughs> There's going to be plenty of people suffering, not just from the the virus itself, but from the economic impacts of it, um, along with just the added stress of being in close proximity with your family members. You know, there's that quote uh, about enlightenment. Um, I can't. I'm not sure if I can get it right, but it's like you think you're enlightened. Well, here's the test: go home and spend the weekend with your parents. <laughs> you know, because things can fall apart real quick. You can. Have the idea like, oh, yes, of course, breath work is the key. And then you go home and your parents maybe um, remind you of what it was like to live with them um, <laughs> all those years. And you're like, oh, my God, I yeah. can't breathe. Leave me alone. Yeah. Get out of my room. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I, we've talked about it, but, yeah, just everyone's feeling it in a different, you know, I, I know some of my friends, whether it's, like you said, uh, fear fear over losing your job or you're cutting back or I know even, even my wife's been going through it where, where the work isn't quite there and, and it's scary and it's, it kind of makes you, um, um, have that high stress level, that cortisol hormone in our body that, that spikes when we're stressed. And, um, when you have that fear of the unknown, I think that's when, when stress can be really, really high. And so today what we really want to talk about is, is how do we deal with, with stress, how does stress make us feel, and what are different ways that we can have some perspectives on it to to push through and move forward? And I think it's been interesting. Um, we've always kind of heard about stress as is a really basically a, a negative, right? You, you hear about people that um, get really stressed and they end up going to the doctor. You know, maybe they have a heart attack, maybe they have severe health problems. I know in the coaching profession, it's quite common to have people that have been so stressed. You know, I know the the, the football coach of the Gophers, uh, you know, he had a history of seizures, but he would have seizures literally uh, during the game and was pulled from a few games during his time. Um, I know some other coaches that have had, you know, their doctor just said, you can't coach anymore because the stress that it's putting on your body is too much and it's not safe for your health. So... Stress has been, you know, looked at that way. I mean, I think we we've we also think of stress, right? Is I'm going to break out with with some acne on my face, or stress, and I'm not going to sleep well, and stress, I'm going to get sick and run down and worn out. Um, and I think 
those are all things that I've definitely experienced, and especially during the winter months for me, during the coaching profession, when the sleep is affected, when your nutrition isn't very good, um, and and what are some ways that we can help deal with stress? Yeah, when I think about it, it's just rem- the image coming to my head is a, is a smaller version of me that I can imagine inside my brain just screaming. Because there's maybe so much to do, maybe that list of you know items on your checklist is extremely long, or there's just so much unknown that you can't even make a checklist. Um, and that's what um, does it for me, and that's what it, I imagine it as. Um, and I know one of the best ways for me, I do this when I'm, I'm trying to think of it. Like let's say there's a lesson I'm trying to think of or there's a topic I'm stuck on. Uh, the thing I found that, is my go-to is, is always just to put on some shoes and go out for a run. Um, and usually that's, that's one of the, the things I've read about and listened to, you know, successful people and entrepreneurs talk about is that when you're, when you're too, when you're stuck in your mind, you got to get into your body. So that might just mean, you know, pushing yourself to the point of exhaustion through some sort of circuit training or, you know, a long 5k run or, you know, a good kettlebell workout or something because that, that exercise, I'm, I'm guess I'm, you probably know the science behind this, but that probably lowers those cortisol levels. Am I right about that? Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it just quiets that voice. So if the, if the, if stress to me is the guy is me screaming inside my head, it just running turns that guy into just somebody who, can't scream anymore because there's no effort to put into the screaming. Um, and I think, I mean, I, I don't think I'm the only person that would find that to be their go-to method. I know when I'm stuck on a lesson, I'll go for a run and those thoughts that I was hoping to have by sitting down at a desk, trying to just figure out how to get through this topic will just come to me. Um, and that's, I think one of the most basic steps you can take is just, if not run, walk, you know, um, there's also studies out there that prove, I think it's like a minimum of 15 minutes surrounded by shrubbery or greenery or plants will lower your cortisol levels, will lower your stress levels. They talked about people taking a walk in the city versus people taking a walk in a rural area or a park. And, you know, the walk in the city did nothing for stress. It actually kept it the same or even increased it because of all the noises, all the input, um, and just the urban nature of things, whereas that walk in the in the grassy or wooded area totally just dropped everything down. Um, and I'm, I'm guessing some of the listeners out there are in urban environments, and it is hard to do, but you really got to try to find a tree to walk in circles around, I guess. I don't know how, I don't know what to suggest for that that person, but... Yeah, there's no doubt consistent exercise, and it, it doesn't always have to be high intensity. Um, you know, going to do a crazy workout. Sometimes it's just even having mild exercise, a long walk. Um, you know, uh, finding ways to, to to do something. I think one of the things that really has stuck out to me more that it's hard to explain. Um, and get, get through to people just how critical it is, is, is the topic of sleep. And there's a lot of different avenues we could go on this, but um, something just recently really st- stuck out to me. Um, I was listening to a podcast by a former football player who um, has started a podcast, and he, he was talking to a doctor, Dr. Ara Supaya, and he's got a, ton, a big social media presence, and he works with a ton of professional athletes. And he was talking about, you know, he does some pretty crazy stuff with athletes where, you know, basically he talks about a lot of the things they do is preventative medicine and talking about recovery and how, you know, your workouts are great, but your rest and recovery are the key to developing as a professional athlete. And he said, the number one thing I tell anybody is sleep and the, and the importance of sleep and how it can do things that just other parts of science cannot do. There's no supplements, exercise, etc. cannot do the things that your own body can do to itself. And he just gave a few general rules for sleep. He just said, number one, you know, 
you shouldn't be having an electronic device 90 minutes before bed. He said what professional athletes might do or parents is there's blue light glasses you can buy that will block the certain UV rays from your screen that will actually um, help keep your serotonin levels, your melatonin levels where they need to be to help your brain fall asleep. So that's one thing that people out there could think about. Number two is he's like, it's got to be all dark. He goes, put your room, get the blackout shades, make your room 100% dark. And number three was keeping the temperature cold. Um, He said, Taking a cold shower before bed is actually a great way to kind of spike your immune system and your body to get ready to go into to, to bed. And he just said, you know, think about a bear hibernating in that environment that a bear is literally in. And he said, try to put yourself into that environment. But he just, you know, he was talking specifically about the COVID crisis right now and what people could do to just kind of, you know, help their immune system. And he said, that was the number one thing. And I think it gets overlooked so much. And the way I can relate it to my life is during the season, you, you kind of take this pride to work, right? Outwork people. And I'm going to, you know, you hear these professional coaches. I'm at the office, you know, at 4 a.m. And I'm staying till midnight. And my car is always there. And there, there is that part of our country, right? It's in the fabric of Americana of just like we're going to outwork we don't have as many holidays. We don't take the vacation. We just work. There's teachers that have said, I've never taken one vacation day in my entire time, you know, and one sick day, right? And they have a great pride in that. But I do think when it comes to sleep, it is absolutely critical. And when I don't sleep well, you don't even know how lowly you're functioning. You are functioning at such an incredibly low level. And one of the things I've tried to always do now is when I have a big decision to make, I always try to sleep on it and come back rested and come back in a way that I can give a, 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 a better viewpoint on it. Because if you're not sleeping well, your brain is not at its full capacity. I know I've heard uh, a doctor, Matthew Walker. Have you heard of him at all? I haven't. No, he's a, he's a sleep expert. And uh, he said he echoes those same things. Uh, he described the process of sleep for your brain basically like, so all day you're putting input or you're learning things or you're you know, doing stuff to your body. And it's creating like, you know, it's, it's basically filling up a toilet bowl of things. And your sleep is when you flush that toilet. And once you, like if you hit a certain threshold, I think it's between seven to nine. You could probably confirm that. Um, it flushes everything out and you've got a fresh pot the next day to fill up and flush out again. But if you don't, there is still residue left in that toilet bowl from the day before and it builds up and it builds up. And there's actually, I think they call it plaque, right? And you're some sort of matter in your brain. I mm-hmm. think it's plaque. Um, and that's the stuff that ends up slowing your ability down or eventually giving you debilitating diseases like Alzheimer's um, and making it, you know, impossible for you to operate at 100%. And on your note about the the cold shower thing, um, I take one every day. Uh, and it's, it's not because, you know, I think I like telling people I do that. But you do, though. I do. It's fun. Uh, but, the, I mean, it's based on some pretty sound science. There's a guy named you know, Wim Hof is. I Oof. do not. The Iceman, Wim Hof. Um, this guy lives in, uh, I think he lives in Norway. Um, and he is all about, you know, cold submersion. So he doesn't just take a cold shower. He goes out in like the Norwegian winter and, you know, dunks himself into a frozen pond. Um, and he also incorporates br- uh, breathing techniques. So he, if you look him up, there's a there's a good little 45-minute documentary on him. Um, and he's got these guided breathing exercises. And here's why this matters. It's because everybody uh, was under the assumption that this guy was just a freak of nature, right? So they, they did experiments on him. They took him to a hospital. Doctors were there. This was recorded medically. Uh, and they, they had a control group, which they shot with a basically a bacteria, like something that would make you vomit, give you a fever, something that's probably like, it's like the flu. They'd give you the flu. Um, And they gave that to somebody who was just supposed to take it. Hopefully they paid that guy enough. But the next 
and then the next batch was for Wim Hof. And Wim Hof would use ice, pack himself, pack ice around himself, and continue with a breathing pattern of you breathe fully in, but you don't breathe completely out. You just like relax your body to let out some air, and then you breathe in completely again. You relax to let some out. You breathe completely, relax a little. You do that for like, you know, cycles of 20, and then you hold your breath. And while you're doing that, you're supposed to imagine your immune system as an army destroying the virus or the enemy. And believe it or not, they shoot him up with this bacteria. He shows no signs of having a fever, vomiting, anything. His, his body and his process of cold submersion, uh, his breathing technique and his ability to mentally focus on fighting the amoeba or whatever it's called um, works. And they were like, okay, this is just, this is a freak of nature. This, this would never happen again. If it wasn't this guy, it wouldn't happen. He's like, okay, let me, let me, let me train a group of 10 people. We'll do this next week. Sure enough, trains the 10 people, same experiment. They inject them all with the virus, nothing. Um, so it's really incredible what, uh, you know, how important your mind is in the battle against, you know, not just stress, but illness and how sleep plays into that and how if you don't sleep, your mind is not able to stay sharp and to be able to focus on those things. Um, and you can, you can, you know, really support that by doing some of those things like a cold shower, um, you know, like breathing techniques. You know, it sounds like, once again, it just sounds like woo-woo to imagine, to close your eyes and imagine your immune system like an army fighting an enemy. But apparently, like, you should not take your mind's power for granted or your body's power for granted. Like, that's incredible stuff. I mean, even if you look at placebo effects, right? People always mention the placebo effect when they always talk about it as a, like, a negative. Like, well, that's just the placebo effect. But if you think about it, so you give somebody a drug and you give the other person a sugar pill, on the the results of those placebo patients, there's still a positive benefit for tricking yourself into believing you're taking the cure. Um, and that's the power of your mind right there. And I just don't think that people um, often realize just how powerful just a mindset is regarding something, you know, like stress. I mean, you can probably talk more to this, but I know there's studies out there that talk about how just your view of stress alone can impact how it actually affects you. Yeah, and that's that's kind of the thing that blew my mind a year or two ago when I found a study um, from the University of Wisconsin talking about just we always view stress as, as bad for you, but actually when, they, when people view it as actually a good thing, um, as stress being a good thing, that they actually get an opportunity to go through something hard and... Um, basically push through and come out of the other side with some resolution. Um, they actually found that it had positive health effects and health benefits. And I think that's very, very interesting. Um, and, and as you're talking about just the power of belief in your mindset and, you know, going back to, to sleep. I mean, I, I tried to talk about this with my players, you know, but roughly half of teenagers are not getting, you know, their whatever. And, and the amount of sleep you need is a little bit, unique to you, you know, like it, it might be eight, it might be nine, it might be seven and there's sleep studies and there's ways to figure that out. Um, but it's about being consistent and your brain definitely is not fully functioning. And the way I've always told my students is like your sleep is a chance for your cells to do repairs. It's your chance. I mean, think about what's literally happening to your autonomous nervous system with your breathing, with your heart rate, it's all down, right? It's at a low level. And it's a time when your body can then use the other energy it has to go about um, what it needs to do to repair. And if you think about it, you know, the average whatever, let's say uh, it just depends on your body weight. But, you know, when you go to bed at night, you lose a pound to two every night when you sleep. And that's how much energy is just burnt off doing cellular respiration and keeping you alive breathing, 
pumping the blood, doing those auto, autotomous things. And it's just, I think it's just so, so important. And so if the one thing I could say out there is for you to just try is trying to be a little more consistent. And I think with teenagers where I've seen is like, like for example, as a coach, right, we all want our kids to lift and, and we have a morning weightlifting um, here at the high school and it's like 6.15 a.m., right? And that's great. Kids can get out of bed. But some of some of the culture is, right, rise and grind and we're going to go get this. But if a kid's only getting six hours of sleep and getting up to lift, they're losing health benefits because they're losing the sleep. And so I, I tell all my players, like, that's great if you want to go, but you still you, you need to get to bed at 9.30. And that's kind of a wake-up call for a lot of the kids. And, and trying to inform our students and, our, and our, especially our student-athletes about this is really, really important. Yeah, and I really wish that our school day, you know, obviously I'm a big proponent of later start times, but our, I wish our school day also incorporated those, you know, physical activities more for, for everybody, including staff members. Like you think about the typical, you know, teacher, it's not usually the fittest person in the, in the world, right? It's because the teaching profession will throw you against a wall and beat you down because there's no time for that. And I wish that, because we know that when you add in physical activity, um, the sleep part goes along with it. So let's say you, you know, are able to exercise consistently. Well, what happens after you exercise, you're tired. And that allows you to fall asleep at a more decent time. You fall asleep into deeper... Um, REM sleeps, uh, yeah, different it, cycles. And that's one thing about even having like a, a Fitbit recently. It's, uh, it's great for just keeping data on yourself. You know, how much you're sleeping. It, it kind of, I don't know how accurate the sleep cycles are on this thing, but it shows you how much time you are spending in those, those parts of sleep that do the cellular repair, you know? Um, and I mean, it's, it, we are basically like version, we're, we're almost like versions of Wolverine, you know, Wolverine, the mm -hmm. superhero, like the dude heals super quick, but like in reality, Human beings are like that. You know, if there's a cut on your hand, your body will will heal that. You know, if you are, you know, of course, getting sleep, which actually plays into that as well. Um, and I, like I said, I just wish that that exercise piece or that physical activity piece was more accessible to everybody because I just, I know there's FIAD classes that are offered to kids, but I just don't think that um, it's a consistently offered piece to everybody um, in the school population. Yeah, and I think for me personally, when I'm dealing with stress, um, like I said, the, the, the sleep, the exercise, and the nutrition would obviously be a, a huge part of that, um, what you're putting into your body and uh, making sure that you're, you're hitting those objectives. And, you know, those are all things that we all know, but – you know, it's kind of like we talked about in the last episode. It's about how do you apply it to your life. If, if you know these things and you don't actually use it and you don't know how to use it, you need to sit down and make a plan for yourself about what time should I be going to bed, what time am I getting up, um, and how that's going to impact it. So I think for me, it's um, it, it went away, you know, after hearing um, that doctor, Dr. Ara, um, talk about it was just kind of enlightening for me because it – you take this pride in like not sleeping and just working extremely hard. And I know that I've been guilty of that. I'm going to stay up extra and watch film and do, do these things. But in reality, if I would just get more sleep, I'd be more efficient and productive. And it's not about the quantity. It's about the quality. And, and I think just as I'm just thinking of the dad aspect of this, one way or one time for sure that you figure out how important sleep is, I mean, maybe this isn't true for all dads, but I know it was for me, is when you have that newborn period of time with a child where, you know, they're waking up and you're waking up like multiple times throughout the night. And, you know, I can remember days of school where I would come to school and I felt like I was drunk. <laughs> But it was just because I was up three hours in the middle of the night. Sounds like a great day. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, maybe. Um, <laughs> but it, I mean, it wasn't. 
it just, you have this loopy feeling and you realize, wow, like raising a child, like think about how many people are going through that process who aren't just teachers. But uh, I know one field that really feels this, especially even now is that during COVID-19 is, is the, you know, the healthcare field. They like, they're supposed to be experts in health, right? But apparently the amount of time they spend studying the effects of sleep is like 30 minutes. Like, you know, like a quick, uh, I don't know if it's 30 minutes, but it's not a very long course. Well, not only that, but then they work like these ridiculous shifts, you know, or they're resident, like they're constantly just putting them in situations where they're up for hours on end. And I don't know what the stats are on accidents, but I know that's it's one high, of the, yeah. the, the number one causes of accidents is drowsiness. Right. So, um, all right. The other thing that I think is really important during stress is, um, you know, some sort of mental way to deal with it. And that could be journaling. That could be um, a reflection piece. That could be meditation. That could be prayer. And those are strategies that I've all used um, that definitely helped me. I know one of the things during my season, I had like a, a 20 minute or so window. I would try to block off. It didn't happen every day, but during my prep and I'd close the door to my room and I would just use that time to either sit and just stare at a wall for 20 minutes. Maybe I'd pray. Maybe I would read like one page out of the stoic meditation book or a Bible verse or whatever it might be. And that type of technique lowers your blood pressure, lowers your heart rate, gets you kind of relaxed, decreases that cortisol. And that's a good little technique. And however you want to do that, right? There's a million ways to do it. But um, I've always found that to be really important just to kind of calm down, cool my soup, chill out a little bit. (laughs) Cool your soup. I've never uh, heard that. Just kind of reflect a little bit. Um, I I know that there's a Japanese study. It says all it takes for those events to happen, like lowering of cortisol, lowering of of blood pressure, is seven deep breaths. So maybe you're not into breath work and you're not willing to do a 20-minute session with Wim Hof, but all you have to do is seven, you know, Um, and you're already there. And, and, And maybe even on the idea of, of praying, like some people's idea of praying, um, like I know my idea of, of praying was probably different than it is now. And all that really is to me is you're asking yourself questions, you know, about what you should be doing or should you be worrying about this? And, you know, the answer that you're hearing back is from your, your subconscious or your unconscious mind. Um, and that's the same idea is that you're just taking some time to reflect, you know, asking yourself those questions. And by, you know, like you have a part of you, everybody has that unconscious part of themselves that will, you know, rise up from the abyss and give you the answers to the questions that, you know, you're asking yourself, like, what should I do in this, in this difficult time? You know, the answer, you know, but you have to be willing to listen. And if it's the stressful time, what do I do during this stressful time? If you sit there in silence and stare at that wall, before you know it, like your brain's popping something in that hopper that you know is the right thing to do. But the second part of that is that you have to just, you have to listen to that and you have to follow through with that. And that's, that's probably the harder part of the two uh, because sometimes the answer is not, you know, the easiest task set before you but it's probably pretty accurate and probably the right thing to do. Yep. Um, and that's always a, you know, I always encourage people to do that. If, you know, sit on the edge of your bread or stare at that wall and just ask yourself the question that you're trying to figure out about what you're stuck on or what you're stressed about or why you're stressed about something or how you should go forward because you, you know, the answer that voice is inside everybody. And it's just some people, have the volume turned all the way down on that voice. And some people have given that voice a a megaphone and they've listened to it before and they know that it's got a lot of knowledge. Um, And then you got to take that second part of putting it into action. Yeah, no doubt. And um, I think, you know, as you reflect and as you meditate or, you know, prayer, 
prayer helps me a lot just because in whatever religious views you have, um, that there's a higher power. It's out of your control. You're giving it kind of up to um, that there's some things that just aren't in my control. And what, what happens to me is not going to be always perfect. Like we've talked about, there's going to be hard times and you kind of have to prepare yourself for those situations. And that's where, again, stoicism is, is very impactful. And, you know, one of the, the three main tenets, um, of stoicism is about just how you perceive, um, things. First of all, you know, if you, if you perceive a situation as horrible, you're going to feel horrible. You know, if you, if you perceive it in a different way, you can kind of change your body chemistry about it. Number one. Um, number two is your action. What are you going to do about it? Like we can't control what happens to us, but we can't control our response. Um, being creative, being persistent, you know, having that fortitude, those are things that we can control. And then number three about stoicism is very interesting is about your will. You know, the, the things that we don't control, like, and this is very interesting in the way they talk about it. And the main, you know, I've read a couple books by Ryan holiday obstacles away and stillness is the key. And, you know, one of the main things about stoicism is, is that belief that, or that what we all know is that we're all going to die. We all have a fate that the Stoics love. They love what, what life is going to do to you. Like you just embrace it. And the best way I can give an example of this, um, there's been years where we've been lucky enough to be in, in like the game to go to state, right? The section championship game. And when you go into those games, um, a tendency for coaches, for players can be to kind of just kind of put too much pressure on yourself and then you don't perform your best. And one of the best things I've ever felt is being in a locker room where you have this group of, of a team that has been formed and you're going into a game and before the game even starts, you've all decided that no matter what happens, we're all going to be okay. Like no matter if we win or lose this game, we know that it's going to be okay. And that feeling of like seeing what's going to unfold in your life, right? Some people are like, oh, is this going to be like the greatest moment of their life or the worst moment of their life? And, but as an athlete, as a coach, as a competitor, as a stoic, it's just kind of, you almost are leaving it to what, what will be, will be. And you're going to do everything in your power, right? We're going to do everything we possibly can to win that game. But we also know it's not going to define us. And that was one of the coolest moments I've ever been a part of in a locker room is where a group of young men knew that. They knew that this this game, this final score would not define who we are. Yeah, and I, <clears throat> this last year, I was, I mean, I was, the, I was coaching a team of, of mock trial students who were in the state tournament. Like, they were the cream of the crop. Like, these guys worked hard, and they were great, and we were there. We, we won our first competition, and then off this, we got, we're on this high, like, wow, we just crushed that team. This is great. We got stuck in an elevator for 45 minutes together. All six, there was 16 of us in an elevator. We're stuck on the bottom floor. That's my worst nightmare. And I mean, it was a couple of kids' worst nightmares. They were not able to handle it. But like, it was a good simulation of no matter what happens, everything's going to be okay. You know, there were, you know, plenty of jokes being cracked. People, there was laughter. You know, there were some people that were having a hard time, but everybody else was trying to make that situation more um, enjoyable. And, you know, as a team, they were really not concerned really about like, oh, if we don't get out, we won't compete. It was just like, hey, we're here together. This is kind of an interesting situation. And then as soon as we got out of that elevator, I think it was a great um, spot for us to be because we ended up going against the team that won the state tournament. And we in the next competition, I would say that we actually, it's a, it's a pretty hard uh, competition to score. It's kind of like a boxing match. So they're not always the same score. There's no, you know, hoops to count. Um, but everybody that was in that courtroom in that second, after that elevator scare knew that we were the better team and like, wow, it was, it was such a cool thing to come from that experience in an elevator where we all knew everything was going to be okay. And then after that experience, they go out, they just give it their all and even though it turns out we were given the loss in that, like we knew that 
we were just doing our best and it was just a, a fun experience to be a part of. And I was, I'm so, I was so happy to be, like you said, a part of that group. It's really, it's really cool to witness that even though that we lost, we had, we knew that in our own hearts, we won because we prepared as much as we could. And we, we did, you know, as well as we possibly could. Yep. And I think that's in a nutshell, what the goal of, of, of coaching is, is that every year I talk about, let's, let's become the best team we possibly can be as close to each other, as selfless, as, as humble and that we can be and, and love each other. And if you can get to that point, you, you really do get to something special. And, and those are, those are the teams that, you know, uh, will go down in, in history uh, because what they, what they, the connection they had and the relationships with each other are going to last well beyond whatever the scoreboard says and whatever society talks about. And that's where going back to our transactional transformational coaching and that really hits home. Um, another thing about stoicism is, is just that, you know, from that obstacle is the way I just, this was a breakthrough for me personally was talking about, and I know we talked about on a previous podcast about, you know, when obstacle comes, when that stress comes and it's super, super high, what if you view it as an opportunity? What if going through that stress, that obstacle actually was going to be good for you? Was actually not so bad? Was actually going to bring you to a place that you never could go without going through it? And that was something that in that book by Ryan Holiday really helped me um, take things a little more head on and just go to action. What am I going to do about it? Because that's what we talk about. My, my assistant coach, Derek, he's really good about no matter when a player comes in and whatever they're feeling or whatever they're saying, okay, this is, okay, get it off your chest. Okay. All right. Now, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What's your response to it? And that's what we can control. And it's so simple, but do you apply it to your life? Right. It's, it's so simple yet in the moment it's extremely difficult. <laughs> like yeah, I'm thinking of parenting situations. Like I have, so I have a book, a stoicism book next to my bed. Uh, my favorite stoic, by the way, Epictetus. Do you have a favorite stoic besides Ryan holiday? Who's great by the way. Yeah. Epis, Epic. Is it Titus? I don't know. That's how I say Epicetus it. Or whatever. Yeah. And then Marcus Aurelius and those but, are the, and there's one more that's kind of the Seneca, main. I think. Seneca. But yeah. I, I mean, that, I just have the book by Epictetus or whatever his name is. Um, the Meditations, or it's yeah, it's just a, it's just a compilation of his, um, you know, like like little paragraphs of, med like Stoic meditations. Um, and even though I can read that constantly, uh, there are times like in that like in a couple episodes ago, I talked about you know being in a situation with my son where it's just like after so many, after my patience being worn down all day long, you know, it's hard to all of a sudden, like when you're like, when your limbic system is flared up, sometimes it's hard to take that moment to control your reaction. Like you're just, sometimes you're just so caught up in the moment. Just think about like road rage. Think about people driving to work. I mean, that's the perfect time to, to, uh, to exercise stoicism, but yet half the time, I mean, people fail at that constantly, but I'll tell you when I don't fail at it is when I'm just, maybe I just got done at the gym or I just ran three miles and then I'm in a car and I'm driving and somebody like does something stupid. I don't actually yell. Um, so there are situations you can put yourself in to make yourself more of a stoic. Um, and I mean, it's, it's, it's hard sometimes to, to exercise, but you know, it's always good to, it's, I heard there's a quote about motivation. It kind of applies to anything like, like stoicism or a philosophy that it's like, it's like bathing. We recommend that you do it frequently. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't just read a stoic meditation and then all of a sudden go forward and be that for the rest of your life. You have to revisit that, you know, um, relearn that and, you know, bathe yourself with those same ideas so that they stick. Yeah, and it's it's an everyday, everyday thing. And I know when I am going through those times where I'm stressed, I'm I have to 
kind of take a step back and be like, oh, remember all this stuff I read and that I, <laughs> you know, it sounds so good, but then how do you live it? How do you make it a part of your, you know, for lack of a better term, your DNA embedded inside of you that you're going to actually live that out. And I think as a parent, as a coach, as a teacher, I've always thought the most important thing is the example I, you know, that I set and if I'm freaking out over things, then it's going to make the team or my kids freak out about it as well. And so I've always tried to model the best behavior. I know like when I got into coaching, one of the things is like, are you going to be a yeller and a screamer? Or are you going to sit down and not say anything? And one of the things that drives me nuts um, in coaching is when people think just because someone isn't up yelling and screaming, they're not coaching. Um, coaching doesn't mean you have to be yelling and screaming the whole time there's there's plenty of great coaches that have done it just being cool calm and collected and we all know that at least in the coaching field the real coaching happens in practice it happens in your conversations um, and I've tried I know that probably early in my career be a little more fiery um, especially on the officials and stuff and then you kind of get to a point where you realize what's under our control what isn't and you take a step back and and I hope you know I think I've calmed down a little bit I hope I can continue to um, there's still things that fire me up, but, um, trying to, trying to build that into your, your DNA and, and understand that just what's in my control, what isn't in my control and stoicism, everything is an opportunity. There are no such thing as setbacks. There is no such thing. I can recall a few games where I, I was announcing and I saw, I looked over at you and I, I thought to myself, you know, that is not the stoic. <laughs> Sean Keating that I know. Uh, should, I, should I should I say something next time on the um, on the speakers? Like uh, read a stoic meditation next time you're freaking out on the court. Oh, the best is when like one of my players will be like, "Coach, just <laughs> the just obstacle chill a little is bit. the way, Coach." Yeah. So sometimes we we as adults usually get more fired up than the kids do. One one thing that I want to make I I want to make sure that I cover as a stress dealing technique that I think is like now that I'm I kind I'm kind of disappointed in myself I didn't write this down but laughter is usually like I was just thinking of that elevator ride and that time in, with my with those kids and how me cracking jokes uh, or just bringing laughter or laughing with them is what got us through it like I I mean I I knew that we weren't going to die in an elevator but some of those kids hadn't been through a difficult situation like that. So they might have thought that they were going to die in that elevator. Um, and, and if you bring laughter or brevity, that's a good word, mm -hmm. like lightness to the situation, I think that's my go-to when I have a stressful situation. I'll say something that just is an attempt to get people to laugh. And I know, like, there's, I love listening to comedians talk um, because they're just, they just bullshit with each other and they, they give each other shit and they are always laughing and looking for that next laugh. And if you're watching, you know, there's tons of stand up comedy out there on Netflix. I mean, God, that's like the major platform that comedians use now, um, to put their stuff out there. But man, pop one in, try to find a comedian you like because man, there is nothing I mean, there is nothing like truly laughing for an hour, like a half an hour or an hour straight. Like you will feel better. The stress will melt away in the middle of that laughter. Um, like I can remember going, the, I remember going to the movie. I, I think I mentioned this the, uh, last podcast, but I saw the, when I was in high school, I think I saw the 40 year old virgin and that movie I think I la the first time I saw it, I laughed almost the entire way through. Um, and after I was done, like my stomach hurt in a good way. But you just, it's almost the same feeling as if you did just put your body through an intense workout or run a 5K. You, you just, your body feels like, <sighs> like it can just let itself go. So, I mean, I would definitely encourage trying to find some source of laughter in your life because I mean, there's, these are serious times. And sometimes, uh, I know there's a lot of people that we interact with that don't always have a great sense of humor, you know, 
some people, some students, parents out there are probably extremely, what, unhumorous? Is that the word? (laughs) Just they can't find the... too serious. They can't find the funny stuff. Um, And I love finding the funny stuff, even in these terrible times, you know, of COVID-19. But yeah, that would, along with just running or exercise... I think there's no be- like there is no better medicine than laughter. Like it just it just feels good. No doubt. And I think about people that are able, you know, in your life to make you laugh and those are the people that you you appreciate being around and I know I'm thinking of a player I have right now that like when I get real real serious and he has the ability to just be like, "Coach, come on." Like I know you're stressed, just it'll be fine. And just those little comments um, and a smile and uh, those are awesome things. And, and be that person for somebody else. It would be huge. Stress. It's not fun, but there are ways to deal with it. And uh, sleep, exercise, journaling, reflection, gratitude, meditation, prayer, your view, your perspective, laughter. Those are all great ways to uh, find a way to get through it. Just do all of them. That will, One of them should do the trick. One of them should help. Yeah. Um, thanks for listening, people. Uh, remember to check us out uh, or follow, give us a follow on Instagram at thecrossover.podcast or email us with a question or topic you'd like to see us tackle at the dot, wait, the c.o.podcast at gmail.com. They're hard to find, those those emails with generic names like the crossover. Yeah, we we could have done better there. I don't I don't know, man. Okay. We'd had to add some numbers to it. I don't I don't like adding numbers. Um, but uh, rate review help us. Yeah, let's grow this thing. We we're we're getting the the followers up there, and uh, we're, we've got some guests in the hopper. They're in the sure, hopper. Sure, we do. They're coming. Uh, and we really we just appreciate you clicking on the link and listening. Um, so yeah, we are grateful for you and allowing us this opportunity. Take care, people.